This psalm calls all of us today to come to the table. For the table is a place where your soul will be restored. You're going to help me today. This table is a place where your heart will be without fear and where your head will be anointed with oil and where your cup will run over. The table is the place where you will discover that goodness and mercy is following you all the days of your life. So come to the table today. It's beckoning you. It's calling to me. There are, though there are these rich promises within this psalm, as you just read, all the promises of Psalm 23 depend upon you and me being at the table. But there is something that I want us to see today that is normally not talked about. It's somehow kind of skipped over. We see it's there. We have it probably memorized. But I, I want to point out that there is a paradox in this psalm. Though it is filled with wonderful and delightful promises at the table, still it remains true that there are enemies at the table. No doubt you and I would probably, probably declare that Psalm 23 is the greatest psalm of comfort, and yes, it is. It is that, a great psalm of comfort. But I believe the thing that we miss is that Psalm 23 is actually a warfare psalm. There are enemies at the table. The blessings and promises are not simply automatic. They are not guaranteed. They are, there are there are conditions, if you will. Those blessings and promises that we love to hear about and that we love to read about are not without a fight. We have access to the table, and there is abundance to these promises at the table. But without a doubt, there are many adversaries at the table. It surely is a stirring picture of a shepherd and sheep, of pastures and still waters, of goodness and mercy. But all of that, if you read the psalm as you just did, all of that is surrounded by enemies. It depicts a warfare zone, a zone of combat, a bloody battlefield. But right in the middle of all of that are the people of God sitting at God's table and yet right in front of and in the presence of their enemies. So from this psalm this morning, there's three thoughts that I'd like to present to you. If you're taking notes, this is the first. It is this. It's the call of the table. I must ask him to be my shepherd. Would you say that with me? I must ask him to be my shepherd. Yes, the Lord is calling me to his table, but I'm also calling upon him to be my shepherd. That first verse that you read says this, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I will lack nothing is what that means. The Lord is my shepherd. Would you say it like that with the emphasis on my? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I will lack nothing. This psalm, having been written by a shepherd himself, David, he, he knew so well the reality of the shepherd-sheep relationship and to what extent the sheep depend upon the shepherd every day, every day. That is 
why, this call to come to the table. I want to encourage you in this today, and I'm hoping that you will walk out with this today of understanding it is a daily renewal to come to the table. The Lord is my shepherd today. Oh, God, be my shepherd today. Because you know what, church? You and I need a shepherd. I'm sure you know well how frequently in Scripture Jesus presents this metaphor that that, uh, he is the good shepherd and we are the sheep. Now, let's understand that when God in Scripture compares us to sheep, he's not necessarily paying us a high compliment. It's not an insult. He's not putting us down. Don't get nervous about that. But it is a lucid and important reminder as to uh, what extent we need. It helps remind us uh, uh, that we need the daily call to the table. We should be daily crying out to God. The Lord is my shepherd. When you get up in the morning and you plant your feet on the floor by the side of your bed, I would encourage you, you as I'm encouraging myself, lift your hands and say, Lord, be my shepherd today. I need the daily call to the table for him to be my shepherd. Is there an amen to that? Now, why do we, if we are sheep, why do we need this daily call to the table? You know, when we have toddlers and grandchildren in our house, and we're always saying, now, what sound does the dog make? And what sound does a kitty cat make? Let me ask you, what sound does the sheep make? Probably should have rehearsed that ahead of time a little bit. What sound does a sheep make? Balcony, can you do better than the lower floor? What sound does a sheep make? Okay. It's pretty even. Uh, Let's recall something about sheep. Sheep don't see very well. (laughs) I'm doing my best. I really am. They don't see very well and they don't see very far. They are, um, they're not always very steady because of uh, the weight of the, the, the wool or the fleece that's on them and, and whatever they've been uh, rolling around in or getting in, it's, it's gotten all accumulated and caught up in, in, in their, their wool and it becomes too much and they become uh, encumbered and they can easily uh, lose their balance and fall. They're not very steady. Sheep don't make the best decisions. What's that I hear? (laughs) Sheep are very vulnerable to parasites in their eyes and in their ears. They they tend to be impulsive and they fight a a lot amongst themselves. (laughs) Help us, Jesus. Sheep drift away from the shepherd. They easily and often fall and get stuck in places they cannot get out of without the shepherd pulling them out. (laughs) Now that sounded more real right there. By themselves, sheep tend to isolate from the shepherd and from the flock, thus becoming easy prey to the enemy. Does that remind you of anybody? What's that I hear? 
The Bible calls us sheep, and Jesus is the great shepherd. So when David says, the Lord is my shepherd, very simply, he's admitting something that many of us need to come back to today. He's saying, simply saying this, I need the Lord. I need the Lord. Just like the sheep need me, David says, I need God to be my shepherd. He's saying, yes, he's been my shepherd in the past. Yes, he's pulled me out of many difficult places in life's journey. But yes, I need him to be my shepherd today. And I say this not only to those of you who are brand new in the Lord, those of you who are in the early stages of your walk with Christ, but I say that to those of us who've been walking with the Lord for decades and for a long time. You never reach a point in your Christian journey when you do not need the shepherd. You need the shepherd. Because guess what, sweetheart? You're a sheep, just like I'm a sheep. We need the shepherd to lead us, to feed us, to restore us, to redeem my life from destruction, to rescue me, to rest me, and to protect me. And God is asking you and me today, will you let me be your shepherd for this day? Will you let me be your shepherd in this season of your life, in these days that you are living? And will you allow me to give you a deeper Psalm 23 relationship with you? God, would you take us to a new place in Psalm 23? Just because we've known it, many of us, for our entire lives, doesn't mean that there's not another dimension in God that we can go with Psalm 23. With a repentant heart, are you willing to say, Lord, I may have drifted further than I realized. I've drifted away. Lord, I, I need to come back, and I need to go into on into 2022 with a song in my heart and my heart fixed on you. I recognize the call of the table and I am asking you to be my shepherd anew. If it's been too long since you've asked him to be your shepherd, and I mean that sort of shepherd-sheep relationship, why don't you renew that in your heart today? You can do it while you're sitting in this service. Lord, I want you to be my shepherd. Lord, I, I, I need your rod of protection against my enemy. I need your rod of, uh, of correction against myself and against the enemies inside of me. Lord, I need your staff for direction. Who's that today? I need your rod and your staff, for they alone can comfort me and calm me and restore my soul. Lord, Lord, I need you to make me to lie down and to find rest. Because you know what I've discovered, God? On my own, I can't even find the still waters. I need you to restore my soul. I call on you to be my shepherd because here's what I've learned, that if I am my shepherd, if Dan is my shepherd, I will lack everything. I will be in need of everything. And folks, here's the way it goes. If you and I are, are our own shepherd, we will lack everything. There will be nothing that we need that we will have. If pleasing others leads you as your shepherd, you will lack everything. 
If money is your shepherd, you will lack everything. If, if, if career only is your shepherd, if material success only is that which leads you and, and drives you, you will lack everything. If my own frustrations and anger leads me and pushes me as my shepherd, if that's what's leading me, if divisiveness, the offense and anger of social media is what leads me as my shepherd, and if the spirit of, the, of this world becomes my shepherd, and is that which is leading me, then I will lack everything. But if the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Who is your shepherd today? If I will renew the call, Lord, be my shepherd, I will long for nothing and I will lack nothing. I shall not want. Say that with me. I Now let's be clear about it. The adversaries at the table before us are numerous. And just in case you've forgotten, because I know I've mentioned this before, if you're like the rest of us, you will rarely in your life be fighting only one battle at a time. The enemy does not give us that luxury of fighting only one battle at a time. And we get pretty... uh, pretty shook up about it because we feel like I haven't even gotten over the last one. Here, the next one's already come on. For most of us, it's many all at one time. In fact, it's a table full of battles all at one time. He has prepared a table before us in the presence of our enemies, plural. Adversaries are at the table before you. It may be that fatigue is what is your adversary today. Fear Some of you walk in unbelievable fear that, oh, I'm praying God deliver you from. Frustration. We feel worn out. We feel burned out. All of our plans that we've made have gone up in flames. The isolation and loneliness brought on by this pandemic and all the other weird stuff that has come with the pandemic. It's it's right there, an adversary sitting at the table before us. The, uh, The uncertainty that these days and this season has brought that can eat at your soul. But... He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. Somebody help me. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. The call of the table. I must ask him again today to be my shepherd. David was surrounded with a horde of enemies. Enemies who were set on stealing his rest Enemies who were set on throwing him in the agitated and dangerous waters to wound and feed poison and torment to his soul, to tempt him and lure him in sin and lure him away from the path of righteousness where goodness and mercy abound. But David says that at the table, God makes him find rest in green pastures, makes him find rest in green pastures. For most of us, I think it could be said that unless he makes us lie down, unless he makes you and me slow down to, to come to his table, we will never find the still waters on our own. We don't. We don't have that capability. Our shepherd has to lead us to the still waters. We, we never find the still waters of his presence. We never find the green pastures of his supernatural rest unless we presented ourselves as a sheep to the shepherd and ask him to be our shepherd. We need to come to the table where rest is found. 
because there are so many enemies attacking our rest and so many enemies attacking our peace. It's true of all of us. It's it's the, the delays, delays in everything. It's an enemy. The discouragement that we can all face, it doesn't feel like it comes in waves and just sometimes crashes over you. The discouragement that the enemy can bring, it's an enemy. The the defeat that some of us live with ongoingly, it's an enemy. This last couple of years, some of you have tragically been through divorce. It's eating at your soul. Many have experienced the death of a loved one. There's someone missing at your table and you feel bereft. Maybe a diagnosis is terrifying your heart today. And it's an adversary that's sitting there at your table. And all of it is creating doubt and dread. So dear church, dear beloved people, oh church of God, come to the table today where God will restore your soul. There are probably few of us in this room today who are not in the condition of needing to simply bring ourselves in submission before our great shepherd and say, Lord, would you restore my soul? For some in the room here today, it's, it's, it's time for you to be brutally honest with God and, and, and simply confess to him who already knows all things about you, Lord, my soul has been attacked. My soul It feels as though my soul has been poisoned. It feels like someone or something has taken this huge chunk out of my soul. God, I need you to restore my soul. Circumstances of life have hit you in such a way that it just feels like something has has happened to your inmost being. But I'm here to also remind you today as a pastor who loves you that there's good news today, beloved, that in the midst of the enemies all around you, the King of all kings, the Lord of all lords, the Alpha and Omega, the creator of all things is calling you to his table, to his table of peace, to his table of resurrection power to his table of restoration, and he says, come to my table. Can you give God praise for that today? And his word to us, I want to be your shepherd. I will make you to lie down. I will lead you. I will protect you. I will guide you. I will teach you. That is his promise. If I take you to a verse in a couple of Psalms later, Psalm 25, there's a verse 9 that caught my attention. It says, the humble he guides in justice, and the humble he teaches his way. I'm talking about this relationship of the sheep to the shepherd. The humble he guides in justice, and the humble he teaches his way. Listen to me, dear one. If you decide make a decision that looks like this. I'm leading. I'm the one in charge. I've I've tried to let others walk all over me, and I'm not doing that anymore. That didn't go where I thought it was going to go. It didn't help me a bit. So I realize I've got to fight for myself. I have the reins. I'm the shepherd. I'm the captain of my own ship. I'm the captain of my own destiny. I've got this under control. I'm here to tell you, you will lose everything. You will burn yourself out. You will break everything in your life and you will hurt the people closest to you. And so the question, I guess, that, that, that this pastor has to ask you, and it's, it'll seem silly to some, but it's this. Do you have the humility? 
Do you really have the humility? Are you willing to let go? The humble he guides in justice, and the humble he teaches his way. And a couple of verses later, verse 15, the psalmist says of Psalm 25, my eyes are always on the Lord, for he rescues me from the traps of my enemies. Anybody thankful for that today? Here's the deal. God doesn't want you and me to remain in this shepherd-sheep relationship whereby he pulls you one more time out of the ravine of trouble and he saves you only for you to fall back into it again year after year after year after year. Where we go back to the same stuff again and again. You fell in it again. You fell in it again. And at some point, he's calling you to come to a deeper place in him, a finer place of, the rela- of your part of the relationship with him being your shepherd. No, our eyes, as the psalmist said, are always to be on the Lord. This is why it's so important that we renew our understanding that it is a daily call to the table. Be my shepherd today. When I get up in the morning, I'm thankful for the new mercies that I know you've already promised are there. So will you be my shepherd today and be my shepherd tomorrow? And he says, rescues me from the traps of of my enemies. Now, what what would that be? Well, it depends on how you want to look at it. You you know probably immediately the, the, the traps that your enemies have set for you. I could tell you the ones for me. But maybe for you, rescue me from the trap of my heredity. Rescue me from the trap of my, of my past. Rescue me from the trap of my failures that seem to be ever before me. Rescue me from the trap of my inadequacies that seem to sit like on the bridge of my nose. I can hardly see beyond them. Rescue me from the trap of my culture. Rescue me from the trap of the bondage of my addiction, whatever that would be. He wants us not only to be salvaged, but to become solid in him. He wants us to move out of our woundedness into worship of him. Not only to be comforted, which we all enjoy, but also to be willing to be corrected so that you can be changed from glory to glory and from grace to grace. Am I telling you the truth today? Do you have the humility to call upon your shepherd. Do you have that? If not, God, give me the humility that I need to see my position in this. Give me the humility that I need to not be afraid or ashamed or at all intimidated to say, would you be my shepherd today? So there's the call of the table whereby you ask him to be your shepherd every day, but also there's the conflict of the table. I must acknowledge Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. And here's the conflict. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. We have to acknowledge, church. What is acknowledge? It's recognizing it's the truth, it's there. The reality, it is what it is, is the way we would say it today. We must acknowledge that there is a battle going on at this table. There is spiritual warfare going on at this table. We must come to the table and say, Lord, I acknowledge that I cannot go through this coming year without you as my shepherd. 
I dare not take another step without you as my shepherd. There is a call at this table and there is a conflict at this table. It is entirely possible that Psalm 23 is the most misquoted and misunderstood passage in the whole of the Bible. Why do I say that? Because it always seems to be presented in some sort of an idyllic way. Uh, someone has told me that, uh, was, that there is a website that is totally dedicated to selling merchandise related to Psalm 23. That's, that's lovely. But if you look at it, it's always a picture of Jesus looking very mellow with a precious little lamb laying across his shoulder, something like this. And on the website, they've got all kinds of stuff, bookmarks and paintings and tablecloths and pillows and, and I, somebody told me bedding, uh, anything you want. It all looks very utopic and, and, and blissful and cute. But my reminder to you today and the awareness I'm trying to infuse into us as a fellowship today is that Psalm 23 is a warfare psalm. It is a table set in front of many enemies. It is a valley of the shadow of death and that's not a distant part of the whole thing. It's a valley there at the table. I think many Christians think of Psalm 23 something like this, that when I walk far away, completely preserved and kept from the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because, Lord, you're keeping me away from it all. But that's not what the scripture says. That's not it. When I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, all of us would like to avoid that completely. We would like for that to be when I walk around it, when, when you keep me completely away. From, no, when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, that's why I will fear no evil, because I'm at your table, O oh God, because I have made you my shepherd, and I am yours. And you promise that you will walk with me, for you are Emmanuel, the God who is with us. Somebody say amen. And I know there are some preachers who talk about this psalm as if it said, and you prepare a table before me in your presence only, God. And I, you know, I love this psalm and the pretty pictures and, and, it, and how nice it is. And I love the comforting part. And so uh, you prepare a table before me and just in your presence, you and me, God, that's all. And, and then when I look far away at the enemy as I feast at your table, completely untouched and preserved. No, that's not it. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. What an incredible picture. It's a bloody battlefield, but in the middle, with enemies all around, there is a table in God's presence where there is protection, where there is power, where there is purpose, and it's at the table that we find God's supernatural strength. Hallelujah! Now, if you doubt in any way that Psalm 23 is anything other than a walk in the meadow with a lamb on your shoulders, let me just ask you, when's the last time you've put it into context, uh, the whole context of Psalm 23? Have you ever read Psalm 22, the one right before it? Have you ever read Psalm 24 and 25, the two that follow? I don't want you to do it now. That's your homework for this afternoon. Go home, start with Psalm 22, then 23, which we're looking at today, and then 24 and 25. Go home and, and, and read it that way. Let me just give you just a quick sample because I, I'm, I'm trying to let us see the context of the whole and that maybe we've had a slightly different understanding of this Psalm 23. My enemies, Psalm 22, my enemies surround me like a herd of bulls. Fierce bulls of, of Bashan have hemmed me in. Like lions, they open their jaws against me, roaring and tearing into their prey. 
Verse 16, my enemies surround me like a pack of dogs. An evil gang closes in on me. They have pierced my hands and feet. Does that sound like a walk in the park to you? This seems quite a distance from the sweet lamb on the shoulder of a mellow shepherd. David, a skilled warrior, is in a season of war when he writes this idea that God sets a table before me in the presence of my enemy. He was in a season of war, like many of you are in right now. One battle after another. One battle piling up upon the next one. Then if you skip to Psalm 24, it says this. Who is this king of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord, invincible, in battle. These are warfare psalms. It is a huge lack of understanding of true kingdom realities and victories and conquests to assume that if the Lord is strong and mighty on your behalf, that you will not have enemies. He is that because you do have enemies. No, he is strong and mighty in battle. Bethesda, we should never be surprised nor afraid as a church when God begins to move upon us and we see the glory of God resting upon us and see, think that that's in any way diminished because right in the midst of that, we'll be fighting a fierce battle. We somehow have convinced ourselves that God's presence is upon us when everything is going right, when everything is all together, when we've got it all going on a certain way. That's when, God's, that, that's when everything is going right, the glory of God is upon us. No, it happens when you're in the midst of battle. Don't think for a minute in your life that just because it looks all messed up to everybody else that God is not with you. He is. He's with you in battle. And his glory is resting upon you in the midst of your battle. Because he's the Lord strong and mighty. He's the Lord strong in battle. And he will protect you and preserve you and provide everything that you have need of because he's your shepherd when you make him your shepherd. I'd love smooth sailing all the time too. I like it when, you know, the wind's filling your sails. I think Pastor Des used this metaphor a lot. You know, there's times in the church, those of you who, like me, have been in the church for centuries, there are times when the wind is filling your sails and it just feels like everything you do has got the golden touch to it and, and you're just gliding across the water. Everything's working and going wonderfully well. And then how many have lived enough years to know there's times you've got to get the oars out and row for all your worth? And it hurts and your muscles get sore, and the discouragement sets in, and you feel like you've made no progress whatsoever, and you feel like you can't get anywhere. Can I remind all of you today, because I have a feeling there's a few of those folks in the house today, the wind doesn't seem to be filling your sails. You're probably asking, where is God? Why isn't he giving me exactly what I need to move on? Where, Where is he in the midst? He is the Lord God strong in battle, and he's there to fight your battles for you. But you've got to come to the table the table of protection, the table of power, the table of his presence. Somebody say hallelujah. Don't be surprised when your hope is all that everything is just going wonderfully smooth, but then all of a sudden you find yourself in the fiercest battle. The Lord is mighty in battle, and the table is in the presence of our enemies. 
from Psalm 25, the last of the ones I think you need to look at today. He says, see how many enemies I have and how viciously they hate me. Wow, that's not the walk in the park that we've always made Psalm 23 to be. And I want to make it clear to you today that there, there is an enemy of your soul that hates everything of God within you. I'm talking real talk, real world stuff. He hates everything of God within you. And he's out to kill, steal, and destroy it. Everything. It could be your marriage, your life, your finances, your walk with God, your destiny, your testimony. He's out to kill it. He's out to steal it and destroy it. And you need to wake up and understand that today. That is why you cannot walk through the valley of the shadow of death without the table. You need to be pulled up at the table. And that's why you cannot leave the table. That's why you must come back to the table if you've drifted. You can't make it without the Lord. Lord, be my shepherd. It's only at the table of his presence in worship, with his people, in his house, or at your home. It is only at his table that he will restore your soul. That which you think you have lost that which you think has been, had a big old chunk taken out of your soul. It can be restored, but it's restored at his table. I certainly can't tell you that I know all that much about sheep, but I've heard from those who seem to know. I mentioned earlier that sheep are very vulnerable to parasites that attack their eyes and ears, but they get to the place where they literally, the, the parasite infestation gets so strong, they can't see and they can't hear. And I understand that the torment is such that it's not unusual to see a sheep who is filled with these parasites in the eyes and ears to run and ram their heads into a rock because they just don't know what else to do to deal with the discomfort. The shepherd will then take, lovingly take that sheep and anoint the eyes and anoint the head and anoint the ears with oil to bring calm back to that animal. You need to be, I need to be at his table so that he will anoint our heads with oil. When we've done something stupid, when we become so infested with the ways of the world, when we become so convinced that everything else around us is, is, is something that it's not, when we've bought into lies, we've been lied to, and the infestation of parasites in our eyes and we suddenly find ourselves, we thought we saw everything. We thought we had perfectly good vision. We thought we knew how our perspective was the right one and you discover you're blind because of the infestation of parasites that have come upon you. You're not only blind, but you can't hear anything either. I can't hear because I'm old. But, you're, but you lose not only your sight, but you lose your hearing. And then that becomes so frustrating because you don't know how to move forward that you're ready to go take your head and ram it into a rock. Come to the table today. Let your shepherd put his arm around you and anoint your head with oil so that when you come to a season where you can't see, you feel like you can't see his faithfulness that we talk about and sing about every Sunday. You can't see his purpose. You can't see his plan, whether you're willing to admit that to yourself or anybody else. You can't see it. You need to see it. You feel like you need to see it. 
And when you can't hear his voice anymore, the promise of God to you today, which is coming to you from this pulpit by the word of the Lord, he will anoint your head with oil and then your cup will run over. It's the call of the table. I must ask him to be my shepherd. It's the conflict of the table. I must acknowledge the battle, the enemy. The battle is real. It's not superficial. It's not artificial. The battle is real, and the enemy is real. And finally, there's the cleansing of the, temp- of the table. I must take authority. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And here's the decision we each have to make. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Lord, I will dwell at your table. I will be found at your table. Anybody looking for me? They're going to find me at your table. In the house of the Lord forever. The table is prepared. God prepares it for us. Everything we need to face every day is at the table he has prepared, and he's waiting for us. The table is prepared, but I must decide to dwell there. It is one of the enemy's most relentless attacks to keep us away from the table, and there are times I'm astonished when we can't see how hard he is trying to get you away from the table. It is so easy for us to neglect the table, to drift away from the table, and to become the shepherd of our own lives. That's what we do. Once we drift away from the table, we suddenly realize we're without a shepherd, and we exalt ourselves and lift ourselves to be the shepherd of our own lives. It is so easy to limit the table, which is where God wants to commune with us. We find ways to limit us, but I will remind you What the Word says in Revelation 3, where the Lord says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and will dine with him or sup with him, King James says, and he with me. He wants to commune with you. He is looking for a a depth of relationship that you've not known before, that you've not had before, because you've allowed yourself to drift away. He wants to commune with us so that he can feed our heart, so that he can anoint our head, so that he can lead us, speak to us, and make us to rest. But you and I have the propensity to reduce the table. We tend to make it smaller or something less than what it actually is. Because you and I, you know what we've learned? We've learned that there are many ways to have a meal today. Lots of ways. And the hustle and bustle and frantic pace of our lives in 2022, it's almost as if we're saying to the Lord, oh God, I thank you so much for the table and I acknowledge there's a table there and it looks wonderful. Could I get mine to go? Sila. You know what I'm gonna, I think what I'll do, I'm so glad for the convenience, I'm gonna swing through the drive-through today. That's how I want to get my meal today. Dear friend, that's got to stop. That's got to stop. We must turn off other things in order to say, Lord, I will be found at your table. Oh, God, reignite within me a love for dwelling at your table. Stir that up within me. How wonderful it is 
to be in your presence. How wonderful it is to dwell, to live at your table. Let us never take for granted the table God has prepared for us, church. For I must realize that it's easy for me to go from the table of God, which feeds my soul, to another table which pollutes my soul. The Apostle Paul, this is going to be hard, fasten your seatbelt. The Apostle Paul taught on the table of the Lord in communion in 1 Corinthians 10 when he said this in verse 21. This is the word of the Lord, hear it. You cannot drink from the cup of the Lord and from the cup of demons too. You cannot eat at the Lord's table and at the table of demons too. Well, Pastor Dan, that's a little extreme, don't you think? I mean, I'm not at the table of demons. But our shepherd Jesus said, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. He's slicker than you are. He can pull the wool over your eyes faster than you can imagine. He's an accuser. He's a thief. And that's why I'm saying you must take authority over your table. And you must ask yourself, have I, oh my goodness, have I reached the point that I pulled up a chair for the enemy at my table? Have I just pulled it back and politely said, here, sit here. Is that what I've done? Because if I don't take my place at the table, if I'm not dwelling at the table, the enemy will find a place at my table. And I wonder if I've been, oh, surely not, surely not. I wonder if I've been going back and forth from the Lord's table to the enemy's table. That, oh my goodness, maybe I'm guilty of, I've gone from the table of blessing to the table of bitterness, from the table of glory to the table of gossip? Have I gone from the table of his word and worship to the table of worldliness and that which is, which is worthless? Have I gone from the table of communion to the table of criticism? From the table of holiness to the table of a hypocrite? David understood he needed to not only come to the table, but he needed to take authority over his table. Well, and here's how he did it. David said it this way in Psalm 26. He says, I don't spend time with liars or go along with hypocrites. I hate the gatherings of those who do evil and I refuse to join in with the wicked. Bethesda, you and I need to take authority over our table. Let's come together cleanse our table and take authority over our table. David did it like this, reading on that Psalm 26, I wash my hands to declare my innocence. I come to your altar, O Lord, singing a song of thanksgiving and telling of all your wonders. Oh, how I love your sanctuary, Lord, the place where your glorious presence dwells. Let that be the commitment of our lives as well. In Jesus' name, let the church say amen. You know, the enemy may try, you take your elements of communion, the enemy may try to come and whisper stuff in your ear. He will come, I promise you, maybe before this day is over and say, there are other tables that are better. Can I tell you, there is no better table than the table of the Lord. And that's when you say no. I see the glory of God dwelling at our table as his presence hovers near. And that's where I'm going to stay. Bethesda, hear the word of the Lord. Let's go to the table of the Lord.